0: Officially, Dana Fahuri, welcome to podcast. Thank you. Is it okay to do cheers with stage?
1: I think so. Let's do it. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, <I must. laughs>
0: All right, so today is a very special episode because it is the first time that I have a professional musician on, producer, live performer. Um, if you've seen my show before, I've had a lot of people from the business world, um, entrepreneurs, true. investors, um, executive coaches, consultants. So super excited to have an actual artist on the show and even more excited that we're going to get a live performance. Yeah, we will. At one point.
1: I'm excited about it. I feel like I'm a
0: Howard <laughs> Stern, like, you know, Howard Stern's radio show. Like, I feel like this is one of those times when I'm going to have Coldplay on or someone. So I'm very <laughs> excited. Uh, we're going to hear, hear a sample of your new track, which is dropping on April 15th. Yes. It's called Traveller. Yes. And for anybody that's um, learning about you today, you go by the name Early Bird. I do. Uh, So Dana Fakhoury is a real name. Early Bird is what you're known by um, on stage and on SoundCloud, on Spotify, and other streaming platforms.
1: Exactly.
0: I love your music. Um, Thank you. I was trying to ask myself, like, what is the genre that I would describe it as? And it's actually one of the questions I want to ask you about, like, kind of music genres. Um, And that's, you know... Excuse me if I'm butchering the, the description here, so correct me if I'm wrong. But for me, it's like um, feel-good, deep house, melodic. Um, this is the kind of the genre I would describe it as. Would, would you just classify I think it so. as I heard? just
1: describe it as chill and happy. Yeah. Because that's how I am. I'm very chill and I'm very happy and energetic. So I just try to reflect myself in the music, and it's in the electronic genre. Yeah. Where exactly? It just, like, goes all over. It bounces up and down.
0: Absolutely. I mean... I was going to ask you about who are like some of the artists uh, that inspire you and so on, but we can get to that later. The way I was listening to music, it reminded me a lot of um, Mono Link a little bit. Um, Tash Sultana. I don't know if you know who Tash Sultana yeah, is. I know her. Because of the music, because uh, you play the guitar as well as you're performing. So yeah. That, and so, super excited to to learn uh, learn more about your story, listen to some of the music today, and and also talk to you about all these kind of topics of, um, you know, what it is, what's it like to approach art. And music as a career, Uh, having a creative outlet is a privilege for anybody, even as a hobby. So I'm always like inspired and I admire people who even take a step further and and approach this uh, very important aspect of a human life as a professional endeavor. So uh, happy to, uh, very excited to talk to you about that. And... um, your inspirations your aspirations your 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 creative process and also your perspective on the uae um, music scene mm-hmm. because you're based out of valencia
1: i was you yeah you were
0: but what brought you to the uae is expo 2020 yes so tell us about that like what uh, how was your experience coming from valencia playing electronic music to perform at at expo 2020
1: uh it was a first time that i'm a resident somewhere where it's like a 6 month gig instead of just like one place one time and then you hop onto the other one but what was cool about it is that I never had the same audience twice, neither during the same day or during these six months, but I had same visitors. So I, I kind of had like my expo fan base and they became more of a family fan base where I know them because I see them in front of me Yeah, and we would chat after the show and then we'll chat on Instagram and they're like, have you listened to this? Have you listened to that? And they would share my music and listen to it as well. So it was a very unique and new experience. Yeah, and I was blown away with it. I just had so much fun at Expo.
0: But then you listen to your style of music, and it's you would think at on the first glance, you know, I was thinking this is like a sunrise set at Burning Man kind of music, which is amazing, right? Yeah. And then you think about Expo 2020 in Dubai.
1: It's not Burning Man.
0: It's not. So how did you find this melting pot of Expo 2020 and your genre of music?
1: I was uh, I was surprised by the response that. First of all, it's original music. I'm not covering artists. I did add a few oriental covers though. Uh, but people stuck around for 20 full minutes every set to just see what I'm doing, whether it was the magic of the push, the guitar playing, the sounds I was creating. And they were just like intrigued by it. And then they're like, oh, we're actually enjoying the music and the sun was setting. So it just, there was a vibe. And if it was nighttime, people on the lights team and the sound team just made it. As if I was at Burning Man. Wow. It felt like a concert. Amazing. Yeah.
0: And But it wasn't actually a party. People weren't dancing or anything. It was more of a... Everybody
1: was seated due to COVID.
0: Wow, of course. So
1: yeah. you would see hands up and kids dancing everywhere. So mm. you would feel the energy. Yeah. And it made me notice how as people, we try to tell someone we're enjoying it. If we cannot dance and if we cannot clap and if we cannot, we yell. Yeah. So people were yelling. And that's the way how we talk to each other. If I'm trying to express something and there's a musician and I want to be respectful, I just go like, wow.
0: Yeah. I'm like, all
1: right, I'm feeling your energy over there.
0: So that was what going on at the expo. People yeah. were yelling.
1: People were yelling.
0: Amazing. Incredible. Because there for having fun. So you were performing live. And I think this is one thing that a lot of people, when they go to parties, um, most people um, don't really understand the person that's behind the set. Some people are DJs. Others are performing live. And then yes. there are producers. You perform live. I perform live. Uh, so you have your Ableton Push here. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that you use to, to, to play live music. Because a lot of people, when they go to parties, they see DJs who are mixing in tracks and stuff. Yeah. And uh, and that's cool and everything. But it's one thing to mix tracks. It's another thing to play live music in an actual live audience setting. It is different. Um, so it's,
1: it's a very weird... Uh, position I'm in, because it's in between musicianship and a mix of being a DJ. Because sometimes I am like a DJ on on the push, and then sometimes I'm a full-blown musician on the push. So I'm the in-between, but I'm not a DJ, and I'm not a full musician, but I am a producer. Yeah. So it's like, everyone's like, what what is she? Who is she? Or anyone who's who does anything like me, they're always confused about what to call us. Yeah. So we just call it electronic art or electronic musicianship, because... It's tracks. Some of them are playing as backing tracks, but we are playing one main part or two main parts. And there's this mystery behind it that is really cool that you don't know what I'm playing. Yeah. And this keeps you intrigued.
0: So explain, like, I know a little bit of Ableton and music production myself. But for those who, you know, just hear amazing music and don't know what's going on, try to explain it to me like I'm five. Like, what is... Okay. Yeah, go ahead.
1: So, Shifrave, I'll tell you that uh, every square can... Create music. Yeah. But if it's off right now, there's nothing on it. So you see different colors. Yeah. Those are programmed to play different parts of the song.
0: Yeah. I'm just looking at the camera, make sure we're catching it. All yeah. right.
1: So uh, this is the percussions, for example. This is guitars. This is pianos, Oud, Melody, and I have kicks. So everyone creates their music differently. Yeah. I like to fully produce it first, and then I break it down into a performance. And when I'm performing, I'm remixing sometimes because uh-huh. I would listen to a track. I'm like, oh, this is such a cool track, but it's slow for what I want it to be today. Yeah. So I'll remix it to be faster. I remix it to be more in a party mode, a beat, and then I will do that remix live. Nice. Not just here, play the music. Yeah. So the DJ would actually produce it the same way I do, but he has the decks or she has the decks. And she'll go like one, two, three. Play the song. Yeah. She will play. W- they will play with effects. They'll play with maybe with adding some more textures to it. But it's not uh, divided into different uh, stems. So yeah. It's not divided into kick alone, drums alone, guitars alone. That's yeah. that's big difference.
0: That seems like a lot of improvisation that you got to do on the spot. Or I mean, I'm sure you practice a lot of it before you actually go on stage. Yeah. Um, but like, do you ever find yourself like uh, just like an actual sort of artist with an instrument? You know, realizing, oh, maybe something's offbeat or...
1: Oh, yeah, I once played a whole solo offbeat because I couldn't hear the music.
0: Oh, like you, you lost it on your headphones?
1: I don't have headphones. I just play with monitors.
0: Oh, of course, the monitors yeah. right in front of you. And
1: I told my... I look up and I'm like, I can't hear anything. I don't know where the kick is. Oh, my God. And I lost the beat and I lost everything. But I noticed people weren't aware of what was going on so i just played the solo they enjoyed it i was like no one noticed great and wow. kept playing yeah
0: so like visually you're looking at the beat uh, no
1: it doesn't show me where i am visually i just oh. do it by ear yeah uh and i do quantize it to one bar yeah. so if i do click at the wrong time i'm one bar off
0: right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and it, it will synchronize everything else as well right as, yeah. It, yeah everything
1: yeah. goes away one oh bar. my god
0: what a <laughs> mess um so i'm very curious to Um, ask you about your creative process like I tried a little bit of music production myself, and I always struggled. Like, do I start with the beat and then the melody, the musical signature, the chord regression? Do they? Do I? Do I start with the melody first, then the beat, or like? So, what is your process? Okay. And then, like, you know, I, I love the way that you name your songs. There's always like one word or short names that seem to have a meaning to the song itself and how I feel. So, like, what is your process from creating a track to naming it?
1: So my process is about recreating a feeling. Okay and I normally don't know how to say it with words. I can express myself with instruments, but never tell you exactly how I feel. And there's always a color scheme in my head, and I see visuals, and I try to make you feel in that time of place with the feeling I am feeling through music. Wow, that's amazing.
0: Little psychedelic, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a f- an emotion that you are in your head seeing a visual representation of it, and then yeah. you you represent that into into. But then you must have a good grasp of of of, of like uh, musical theory to be able to elicit illust- Wow, <laughs> like so, is it all like uh, how do you say it, you know asma? You know. Yeah,
1: it's by ear. It's by feeling by ear with practice and of course a lot of experience. I know what blends together, what doesn't go together. Yeah. Uh, but I am self-taught musician at the end of the day, mm-hmm. um, so I just try to recreate what I'm feeling, mm-hmm. and I try to hope that you either feel it or go on your own journey with it.
0: Type, I have a ton of questions to ask you, but before <laughs> I do, I think let's take let's get an example okay. of what this whole thing is about. So uh, April 15, Traveler drops. Uh, the name of the track is Traveler. Yes. Dana Fajuri is known as Early Bird. Um, so would you play us? Uh, I mean, we're recording this session on April 13. yes
1: it's april 13
0: so the track isn't even out yet i'm I'm gonna get to have a you're gonna get a sneak
1: peek i'm so excited better than the ones on instagram
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah exactly but then we're gonna release this episode after the actual episode all right so this is traveler by early bird let's
1: do this are you ready
0: ready I fucking love it. <laughs> That's amazing. That's a good reaction. Oh my god. Dana, that was absolutely <laughs> awesome. Oh, uh, thank you. I love the oriental touch. Uh, we were talking earlier about like Burning Man uh, as an example of like how I I went went to Burning Man in twenty eighteen. Oh, cool. Uh, have you been?
1: Never, but I've been told I should be there. You
0: should perform <laughs> there, uh, I think. So this definitely sounded like a lot of the sunrise at uh, music that you would get at Burning Man because of this kind of uh, oriental touch with house music. So how did you like, What explain to me a little bit more, like what was your state of mind? Like how did you how did you wake up that day when you decided you're going to come up with Traveler? And how did the music come to you?
1: So I was working on a cover of Ya Habibi Ta'ala. Fairuz. La uh,
0: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah.
1: And uh, I'm working on it with a kanun player called Reno Numnum. So for Expo, I needed someone I knew with a kanun, so I can get a few more recordings because Reno was busy at the time or whatever. And uh, I have a friend who's called Ala who plays the Anun and he came over. And I told him I just need you to record a few things. And then when we were done, I told him, Do you have anything else on a D minor scale with the Anun because I want to do an extended remix. Yeah. And uh, he randomly played an Arabic song. Yeah. And I said, wait, this is Yam Safar Wahdak. Oh, wow. And he said, yes. I was like, oh, this is one of my mom's favorite songs. And he just played it on a whim.
0: Wow. And
1: so all the chops you are hearing are the Anun chopped out. Right. From Yem Wahdak.
0: Wow, I was going to th- say, it sounds very familiar. I mean, okay, <laughs> the Oriental scale is clear. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how you managed to synchronize an Oriental scale on a D minor. I guess they have that in common as a, as a root uh, note, right? Um, but uh, it's amazing that we have a lot of our childhood influences, like a lot of this music. I don't know if I, I was thinking about Oceanus Orientalis, like a lot of those Turkish DJs, uh, Bees Venson. Like there's a new era of, of, of Arabic oriental music blended into house music. And yeah. for me as an Arab and you from Lebanon, I'm from Jordan, it's very refreshing to get this like dancey vibe yeah. to like an oriental touch.
1: Cause normally if you listen to Am Safar Wahdak, it's such a depressing song. It makes you want to cry and you'll miss home. And then I was like, let's make it happy.
0: Oh, so Traveller is that, huh?
1: Traveller is... I felt very connected to the song as well because I've been traveling alone for a very long time. Yeah. And it feels like a lone traveler. That was the original name of the track. Yeah. But it felt so negative and the track is happy and uplifting because traveling could also be fun even if you're alone.
0: That's such an awesome story for what happens behind the track. And I think like for most people who see a song on SoundCloud or Spotify, they play it, they see the name Traveller, like, oh, cool. They play it. They may not even recognize Safir Wahdak. Yeah. But like, how do you, do you ever feel like I want to try to capture that story, but you f- you, you struggle to communicate it because there's not, not because of a fault of your own, but like, how do you tell the story of the song that you wrote on SoundCloud or Spotify? Because that's such an awesome, like, yeah. background to the context of the, of the song.
1: I try not to, I'll just name the oh. track one thing that it actually means to me. And then I do want you to make it your own. Oh, I see. The same way you listen to any song and be like this reminds me of this time of this day, of this feeling and maybe the artist didn't mean that, but you made it your own.
0: Ah, I see.
1: And then if I do get asked about it, I will share my story as well.
0: Very cool. See, I would never I would think that you would want people to understand what's behind the story, but you want to make people make it their own.
1: Yeah, definitely. Fascinating. For me, it's all about traveling and it's and it's how I re-get, I reconnected with oriental music. Because as a kid, I always like, "No, not Arabic music, please don't play Arabic music." And as I traveled further and was further away from home, and especially during lockdown when I was just a year and a half away from everyone, yeah. I started listening to Arabic music again because it made me feel connected to my parents, to what I missed, to some sounds I'm familiar with. yeah and uh, it just makes you feel something new, yeah and absolutely. it makes you and it brings you back and it made me want to invest into Arabic and oriental sounds even more.
0: So, what made you decide to leave Lebanon and go to Valencia?
1: I went to yeah, I went to the States first, first, and then to Valencia. Okay. I uh, I, w- I want to pursue music, and unfortunately, Lebanon is not doing well these days. Sure. So I needed to find somewhere else to express myself and somewhere else to grow beyond what I can uh, in Lebanon, and I went to do a master's degree in uh, Valencia. I did a master's degree at Berkeley College of Music in Music Production, Technology and Innovation. Yeah. Such a long name.
0: <laughs> I thought it's the same Berkeley from California. I had to look it up and realize it's no, a it's different Berklee. It's the
1: Berkeley from Boston, the yeah. double E, the a musical e. <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. then, so
0: you studied musical production at Valencia, at Berkeley's yes. Okay, Yeah, cool. And
1: I focused my whole year just on making music, collaborating and being on stage. Amazing. So that, that's all I wanted.
0: So how do you, uh, I have a couple of questions here because I know you also worked with SOFAR. Yes. Uh, I'll tell you a fun story about that (laughs) in a second. Um, As somebody who has this podcast that is just a hobby for me, like it's a creative outlet, I really do admire and I get very inspired by those who have similar hobbies, even more so when they take a professional uh, endeavor uh, into creativity. So you were a full-time employee at one point. I think you were doing graphic design.
1: I did a lot of stuff. yeah I'm originally a graphic designer then I worked in TV production, I worked in real estate then back to TV production uh, very odd jobs I've done. It's amazing. It's an yeah. eclectic very
0: <laughs> sort of rich uh, horizontal uh, experience but then um, it sound, it feels like at, at some point or in your recent career you're focusing a lot on music production and, yeah. and performing and all of that right And so how do you when you take that step I find this to be a very bold step. Um, because it's not an easy one. Like ar- being an artist is not the same as being employed for all obvious reasons, you know. Yeah. And so the good, the bad, and the ugly of being an artist. Like what drives you to keep going despite, and what are the challenges and the opportunities that you face in your in your path as a so musician?
1: Anytime I try to do anything other than music, which is having a job, I can't. It doesn't fit me. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm. I want. I want music even more. Yeah. But when I'm doing music. I am. My, I find myself as a whole. I find myself as okay. This is what I am supposed to be doing. Wow! It's like a magnetic uh, attraction. Yeah. It just takes me. Even if I'm, a, I am uh, working as a graphic designer or on videos or whatever. I'm not focused. I'm focused more. My my brain is thinking in music. Yeah. So I just needed to take that step.
0: So despite all the, ch- I would imagine there's quite a few challenges to making a career out of it. Like uh, yeah. And, and yet, despite it, you p- you keep going, and and j- purely for the love of music, it just keeps yeah. you going.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's my passion. It's what I want to do. It's the way I think. It's the way I breathe. It's uh, it is just yeah. in me all the time. Like I feel it in my body.
0: Yeah, and so I, w- I have. A, I wanted to ask you about so far. Um, I actually know so far quite well because I was in New York. Uh-huh. Um, my first tech startup. Uh, you met Georgia, my partner. We were yeah. together in New York and. Uh, we started a company there and we were in a place called Projective Space. Do you know Projective Space? So, so far, uh,'s first office was Projective Space. It was a co-working space in New York. Cool. And uh, I think there were four girls, if I'm not mistaken, who are the founders. Uh, maybe by the time that you joined them, there was a different team. But anyway, they used to play a lot of gigs at Projective Space in New York, in Lower East Side. Yeah. Um, and so far, what they do is that they have all those different gigs all around the world in like, obscure locations yeah you
1: have to know someone that knows someone to get in or else you just don't know about it
0: yeah and I think like once you get into this vibe so far is a good example of like the moment you experience music in this like raw off-the-cuff fashion it's very hard to go back to anything conventional afterwards (laughs) um so i I don't know what are these guys up to these days so far are you you still in touch with them so
1: i was with them in valencia yeah uh we had a team leader she uh, her name is sadio yeah and i met her at berkeley that was her project she wanted to evolve so far in valencia and i joined in as a sound engineer yeah i had no idea what i was doing at the beginning and then i was like oh okay i'm getting the hang of it and uh we're still in touch, but I don't know if the project is still active. Mm. Well, well, everything just stopped with COVID. Yeah, We tried to keep it active. We tried to do a few things, but it's it's not as much as you can do. And everybody was just online at the time. So it was hard to get anyone's attention as well. There was too yeah. much noise, I think. And then we all moved out of Valencia. Yeah. So I really don't know who's handling the project at the moment. I hope it's still going because we had a lot of fun growing it for two, three years.
0: Yeah, I mean, every time we would wrap up work at uh, Projective Space at 7 p.m., there would be somebody like fixing their amplifier and like setting up. And we always have a gig at Projective Space. So I thought it was a very cool like idea. And they ended up doing a bunch of gigs all around the world. Um, so, yeah, when I realized you worked so far, I was like, oh, that brings back so many good memories of New York. Um, Even
1: for me, it's great memories. I just met so many random people that I would not on a daily basis Thanks to so far.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's this whole like indie scene that's emerging. I mean, it's it's been going around for a while. Um, one of the things that excites me a lot, as not just as a, um, I mean, perhaps maybe as a podcaster, but more so as a. As somebody who enjoys music and art is, is like i don't know how much like you're keeping up with web 3.0 and all this decentralized funky stuff but
1: just composing all day like i'm really <laughs> not open to opening any tabs
0: no but listen, i'll tell you something that's quite exciting that's going on uh, i know that you're not in it for the money or anything like that but uh, it's great to see the creator economy in the online world start to um the paradigm is shifting so there's a whole, like, whole youtube centralized platforms creating content allowing yeah you know, famous celebrities to become even more famous and then a long tail of like amazing artists that, that that are, you know, they enjoy doing what they're doing. They just don't get enough attention in the what they call the attention economy. And yeah. all this like blockchain, decentralized stuff. I mean, you probably hear a lot about Bitcoin and all that jazz. Bitcoin behind me. <laughs> uh, but apparently it's supposed to also, and I can't wait for that to start actually happening, uh, opening up the space for a bunch of up-and-coming artists to become... Um, Relevant and, 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 and to have an audience Even if it's a small audience To be able to connect with them In a way that they would not be able to With today's yeah. YouTube Patreon and Spotify Patreon helped that a lot That's one example yeah. yeah
1: Especially for producers and artists Now you get behind the scenes You get to interact with the artist By just being a member Or like believing in the artist And it helped a lot Are I you mean. on Patreon yourself? No mm.
0: So so the whole Web 3.0 revolution Is think about uh, Patreon 2.0 So rather yeah. than having Patreon Be the middleman that will Allow artists to connect with their community, but then you need Patreon to do it. The idea is that all these decentralized technologies will allow a bunch of artists, like myself with my podcast, or you, you definitely you with your music. I mean, a much much more um, let's say advanced with your creativity um, to connect with your audience and to grow your audience without needing a middle um, yeah a middle middleman plan. or yeah a, a platform to to do that. So uh, it's an exciting time, not just for uh, people who are in it for the financials and the money, but also for creators to. To experience this shift in the paradigm. I uh, you know the,
1: the, the online world has shifted everything for us. Yeah. Like I know I would have such a harder time pitching myself right now than 10 years ago if it wasn't for online. That's right. Like it's... I even, shift.
0: if you think about it, like I discovered you because Lean Shuman... Uh, Tag me
1: on LinkedIn. Amazing, by the way. Like how how crazy is that?
0: I think that's super awesome. Uh, she is a senior news editor at LinkedIn. This is the second back-to-back episode I give a shout-out to Lynn, but like you know, credit where credit is due. She <laughs> Definitely. Had, she yeah. captured your, your track, which is called, uh, how do you pronounce it in French? Ephemer. Ephemer. I love that track. Uh, I think I've, I've watched the video like six times already.
1: Thank you for streaming my music. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Follow and subscribe uh, for more. That
1: <laughs> <button>. <laughs> um that button.
0: Yeah, but it's awesome that Lynn has also captured. So what she, she's done in that one weekly wrap-up is she captured a bunch of us, you know, up-and-coming artists, in our, each one in his own field. Um, and yeah, that, thanks to all... I mean, people love to hate on social media. Yeah. I had a very uh, critical episode on social media, episode 22, just, just last episode. But if you think about it, I mean, if it wasn't for social media and online space, I wouldn't be sitting with you right now. And no. Yeah
1: never in a million years
0: and and you wouldn't have your music go around you have like some of your tracks have reached thousands of views i mean that's um, uh, how does it make you feel like when you see people like you have never even met commenting on your tracks
1: i'm i'm happy yeah like if anyone appreciates my music it just like it makes my day i'm just like
0: yeah yes yes agreed um you have this um thing on your wrist i do um the cool uh, thing. Yeah, it <laughs> looks very it cool. cool <laughs> Actually, it looks cool. But what's the story there?
1: Uh, the story here, uh, it's what got me here. Okay. It's my silver lining. I have chronic tendinitis in both hands, left wrist and right thumb. And I used to be a professional guitarist almost. So I was a guitarist and a ukulele player and a multi-instrumentalist. And due to overpractice, this misdiagnosis and mistreatment. I lost mobility of both hands for approximately five years so I couldn't play any instrument and they told me this is the end of your music career while I was still starting it. So it's one of the reasons I became a producer. I kept looking for a different way to make music even if I cannot use my hands and slowly but surely I found Ableton, I found electronic music, I found the push, I found different ways of Staying in the industry and expressing myself without too much use of my hands. And it took me a while to reintroduce the guitar back on stage.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask, you do play the guitar quite well. I mean, you, 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 despite your injury, you still are playing the guitar to the extent that you can on stage. Yes. Uh, and FMR is one of the tracks where you do play the guitar. I was so
1: scared of playing the guitar at the beginning. Uh huh. I was like very scared of my hand not functioning correctly. And I, and I dared myself. I was like, I'm putting the guitar. And the moment came to play the guitar live. And I was like, it's now or never. And I just.
0: You went for it. I went for it. Amazing. Mind over body, I guess. Huh? I think so. Wow. Fascinating. Um, but but I
1: do tell you, like, if any professional musician watches me play, they will tell you I play very awkwardly because I don't use my thumb. Uh huh. So I play with one finger. Right. Which is very Normally the guitar you would play like this. The bass strings
0: at the top of the thumb, right? Yeah, Yeah.
1: or you play with a pick. Sure. I can't use the pick that much because it uses that function.
0: Oh my God, wow. So
1: I play with one finger. And it's hilarious when I play the guitar. It's like, she's playing with a finger. Wow. And even when I'm playing here or the piano, you never see me do this because this movement hurts. So you always see me playing like this or like this. I actually
0: saw your hand was almost shaking at one point as you were trying to use your thumb. I I was wondering if that was it or something else. Maybe you were just nervous.
1: (laughs) Maybe a bit of nerves or you'll never know. (laughs) But yeah, I play like a... Sign of rock and...
0: <laughs> no, but that that's amazing. Like you managed to work around... Uh, sorry to hear, by the way. I had a shoulder uh, situation as well. So I know how much it sucks to have like missed... I had a o- bad operation actually. Did you what? ever operate on it? No, no. Okay.
1: I was uh, told not to. Okay. Because then you completely lose like 80% of the functionality.
0: Yeah. No, it's better not to do. I mean, by through experience. Well, you said mistreatment though. I'm curious to know what it, how was it mistreated?
1: So I was seeing a physiotherapist and a doctor. So a lot of painkillers. Oh. They told me wear a guard for a month and then do physiotherapy and play the guitar. Yeah. I had that all like. Yeah, yeah. jumbo was wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had a similar uh, situation. Um it turns out, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I had a b- two types of painkiller treatments that were both fucked up. Uh, so one was the cortisone injections that I got on my shoulder.
1: I was also told not to do those.
0: So uh, they worked until, like, they didn't, because mm. then you ended up working out and lifting, feeling like the pain is gone, and all you do is just tearing your shoulder even more. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a period where th- I was prescribed opioids. Oof. and yeah they were heavy uh so they and they were fun too so so that was also a period of my time that uh, that's that's behind me now <laughs> but yeah I mean uh, turns out like uh, the only way to deal with these kind of injuries that come out of nowhere on your joints your your shoulders your knees and all that is just uh, anything that is natural um I was talking the other day to my chiropractor she's saying a lot of it is just emotional uh issues that manifest themselves in physical injuries in your joints and stuff. Mm. I was like, that's an interesting perspective.
1: Yeah, mine was overplaying the guitar. It was not emotional. Straight up, just like yeah, over-practicing. Just, just over-practicing. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Yeah. Um, but like, you still managed to work your, your, your way around it. Yeah, but I'll
1: definitely give credit to four physiotherapists in my life that have brought my hands back. Uh-huh. Uh, Abir Al-Khatib, Cesar Dawood, Ala, and Serena. Those four people, without them, I would not be able to sustain myself.
0: Are they based in Lebanon or Dubai?
1: Uh, One is now in Cyprus, two in Lebanon, one is in between here and Lebanon. Yeah, Yeah. fascinating.
0: Um, Physiotherapy is, I mean, how old are you? 32. 32. I know you never ask a lady her age. but no, I don't mind. You look young as well. So <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, this is the age where shit starts to go downhill like uh, with your body and stuff. Like if you don't yeah, watch out for it. mine
1: started at 23.
0: Yeah, same. I mean, as well. It's it's weird, but like, you know, fortunately you look very fit and healthy. And uh, it's amazing to see that you managed to work your way around it. I mean, this is also amazing. You watch these ol- uh, Olympics. Like, uh, I mean, this is an extreme example. I'm not saying we're there anywhere near that. Alhamdulillah. Um, but yeah, it's amazing how a human... Uh, how fascinating it is that the, the the human potential to work around disabilities, really bad disabilities. I mean, thank God we're not there. But like, as a music, as a musician, that could be crippling, and you managed to work, find a way around it, and you're you're performing just as good as any other musician. I would.
1: Get. I hope so. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely, hundred percent. So, who are your? Um, who inspires, like from all the people that you've, like when you think about your favorite musicians and where you derive your inspiration, who are some of the musicians that you think about?
1: I'd say I started with Nirvana. Ah. Like this is what. What a coincidence. <laughs> There's what? just a
0: Nirvana album that happens yeah, to be.
1: Huge coincidence. <laughs> we did not plan this one bit. <laughs> I did not choose it. No.
0: <laughs> only the MTV Unplugged album <laughs> behind you. It's only uh, their, their best album ever. Their best Okay, so Nirvana. Uh,
1: Yeah, so I played Nirvana for like four years straight when I got the guitar. It's all I played, Nirvana, Metallica. So I was very hard rock, uh, grunge, heavy metal, alternative rock. And then came the land of pop. Yeah. So pop music is huge to me. Uh, Ellie Goulding is a huge influence for me when I discovered she's opening for Expo.
0: She came to Expo? She opened.
1: What? I did my best to meet her. It didn't happen but all of my friends who were with me saw me perform the opening with her. So we projected the opening ceremony on a wall and we were watching it. And then Ellie Goulding and my favorite song of her is the song she's opening with, which is Anything Could Happen. Okay. And you just see me, I don't know, like shoot out of my seat <laughs> and start performing I barely knew my friends like, like I knew them for two days Yeah, and they just saw me flat out perform the whole song ah
0: nice yeah. what's the Daft Punk one that she's done with Daft Punk Ellie Goulding and Daft Punk there's a I don't know which Oh, one. I I, have, I forgot the name but it was one of my favorite tracks I'll send it to you after the, the session because yeah. I forgot the name now cool so Nirvana Ellie uh, Goulding you want to hear a fun fact about Nirvana maybe I don't know if you know that fun fact actually that's true um, the drummer what's his name Dave Grohl yeah the, the, the um, Foo Fighters guy you know, like with uh, smells like Teen Spirit, like that sort yeah. of a syncopated beat. You know where he got that from? No disco music. No way. Yeah. So I mean,
1: I wouldn't be surprised with Dave Grohl. Like he's a madman in music.
0: Yeah. So like, it's such a cool sort of way to to, to syncopate or whatever the beat. And uh, he had a podcast recently uh, after the death of the Foo Fighters member. Who was it? Somebody died. Taylor Hawkins. Yeah. I'm so bad with names, but yeah. So he was talking about how he. As a Nirvana drummer, was inspired by disco music. Um, and he give it, he gives the example of sounds like Teen Spirit. As his uh, wow, yeah,
1: yeah. No, for me, it's like a lot of pop, a lot of Nirvana and rock, and also classical music, soundtracks, uh, a- anything that communicates something to me. Mm. I'll just listen to it. I listen also to a lot of electronic music as yeah. well, and I listen to rap and hip hop and R it's B. Just like a variety of. Mm of sounds and i don't want to name artists and leave some artists out so i'm just going to yeah. say like all music inspires me
0: and clearly a lot of the like music they would listen to when you were a younger kid the uh, arabic music and stuff uh like that uh, you mentioned the the traveler track is inspired by a lot of the or- yeah
1: although i rejected arabic music uh, as a kid yeah uh, as a grown-up yeah i'm like yeah arabic music i like it now <laughs> yeah
0: it's funny how it's like that right after you start traveling and you leave home Uh, You connect more with your roots uh, through music. You're suddenly the
1: most patriotic person you've ever met. You're just like, yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But like, listen, you said something about Lebanon and I went to Lebanon. I studied at AUB um, Mm -hmm. and it was 2004 to 2007. Yeah. So I also experienced the assassinations and the bombings and the war. uh, And somehow we were still partying like it was...
1: Like nothing was happening. No, no. I
0: mean, I had my, and I lived in New York and I lived in London and I lived in San Francisco. So, and I still think Lebanon is one of my favorite times of my life. Um, And somehow the Lebanese know how to push through it no matter what. It's amazing. You know, BO18 was alive and well, basement at the time. Um, It was just a great party scene. I would go to Ice Bar in, in, in Mono where they would play a lot of rock music. I don't know if you know these places at all. Like,
1: Ice uh, Bar, no. I think I was young to go in.
0: Okay, but you know the place, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they would play a lot of the Nirvana and Pearl Jam and uh, Three Doors Down and all this kind of, like, Ooh, up and coming. Three Doors Down. Yeah, Kryptonite and <laughs> yeah. all these guys. So that was what, what I've never seen a nation, I've never seen a people push through whatever the fuck was going on and still party hard and still enjoy life. And, and like, kudos to the Lebanese people for setting that example. Because every you. now and then yeah. you gotta look up to, to somebody around you whenever you're going through adversity and be like, How do I go through my life? I mean, the Lebanese, if nothing else, they do set an example of just let's just have fun, let's just chill out, and relax. Yeah, fuck like the rockets, fuck the bombs, let's just do it.
1: Don't be so serious all the time.
0: Yeah. But still somehow it got it gets a little too daunting, at least at the point that you you were in Lebanon and you had to you felt like you needed to leave.
1: And it was hard to leave because I am purely only Lebanese. So applying for visas, applying for residencies, not so much welcome sometimes. Yeah. So it is very stressful also to be Lebanese trying to leave Lebanon and being rejected by everyone else. Yeah. But Dubai accepts us. Dubai is yeah. safe. So thankfully, I found a place where I can remove that sort of anxiety, unneeded anxiety, off of my shoulders.
0: So, Khalas, you moved. You now you're relocated back to Dubai, so. Or Not back. You relocated to Dubai now?
1: Yeah, for now, yeah. Okay, awesome. Because I cannot be under the pressure of another residency application. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm done. (laughs) And listen,
0: it's not a bad deal um, because... It's a great deal. I was going to say, I've been here since 2007. And the scene has evolved in ways that I would have... I don't know how many parties you've managed to go to while you were doing your expo thing, but like, this is not the UAE that I used to know.
1: Just by walking the streets, it's not the UAE we used to know. I've been coming here since 2002, so since I was 12, because my parents live here. Uh, it used to be only the Emirates Tower and one mall. That's it. and then In 2002, yeah. Yeah, and then Dubai Mall and Mall of the Emirates and everything. and Changing times right now.
0: Indeed. Um, I went to the party in Ras al-Khaimah. Yeah. Uh, Groove on the Grass. How much do you know about them?
1: I see them a lot on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So I've been going to a group and the Grass Party since uh since they started I don't know that was 2012 2013. Love these guys. I love the they had the Nicholas Jar and a bunch of other they're, like they're
1: my vibe. I know they're my vibe, but I haven't had the ch- like I've been here since Expo hmm. and Expo ended 2 weeks ago and now it's Ramadan so I like haven't done anything in Dubai yet.
0: All right, so brace yourself because this is not a country that I uh, Dubai is going through a renaissance and not just Dubai. Actually There is a whole renaissance going on in the region between Saudi. There are raves. There are festivals going on in Saudi Arabia.
1: It's going crazy.
0: It's going crazy. Um, So it's a great time to be alive. I mean, it's going to take time for it to actually feel organic and natural, because I think, uh, especially in Saudi. But like here, I got to tell you, I've been, I've fired all around the world. When I went to this, part, and I've been to Groove on the Grass parties in the UAE. Mm -hmm. This particular last one that we went to in Ras al-Khima was uh, on another level. I mean, the, the vibe was great. The music was great. Bahramji was there. First time I even know about, I mean, I was surprised I didn't even learn about Wahramja until like a couple of weeks ago. But then the people were free. They were partying like as if it was Burning Man. Yeah. Literally. And that was amazing that there's, you can tell there's a direction and there's a movement going on to just like let people party and have fun and enjoy the music and just catch up with the world.
1: Yeah. Like the music scene did change here and I see that change. I remember being here when I was uh, 22 I was like, okay, there's nothing for me to do here. That like, you can go to a bar and play. Yeah. Now there's so many places that you can feel where, oh, this is my identity. I can belong here with this niche audience, or yeah. I'm this uh, cover artist who plays rock. I belong to these bars, or and especially with Al Serkal, it's it opens yes. a lot of doors. This is a very artistic scene that I have yet to discover and yet to connect with and yet to contact. But you can tell there's a lot more culture growing here.
0: Yeah. Sir so Kyle is a great place. Too bad they don't play like music when you walk around. Like you don't hear music playing anywhere. Like no, you have to enter. You have to enter. Like yeah. I buy a lot of my records from the record store over there. Um, yeah. A lot, not a lot of bars there too, which is unfortunate. But yeah, so you always have. But But still, I'll take that any day, right? There is a lot of evolution, slow but sure. Um one I, thing I, w- I
1: watched an indie Lebanese film in al Sirkal like I would have never imagined watching that I, here. Yeah.
0: So uh what's the name of the uh, Cinema Aqeel? Yes. Yeah, so my my one of my best friends' uh, girlfriend uh she used to work there. Um oh, right. yeah, and so and, and they're all into arts and she's awesome. Um she's now working at a podcast network company. And so there is you know that's amazing. In The UAE you have like a lot of podcast networks coming up. Cinema Aqeel coming up. Sirkal um too bad you don't have, like, street musicians. I was going to ask you about street musicians mm-hmm. in the UAE. Like, how cool would it be if you, like... go
1: Where do you want to put him on Sheikh Zayed Road? Yeah. The guy will fly off. Yeah,
0: true. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of that, too. You're not going to... It <laughs> will suck highway. to have him in the Mall of the Emirates in front of, like, uh, Carrefour, like, playing. Like but
1: that. I have seen... I think it's <laughs> City Walk or Blue Waters uh-huh. have events and they would put, like, street musicians on these events. Oh, okay. Uh, and that's all on Instagram. Like, I haven't seen Dubai much, but yeah. I... I do my research through uh, websites and Instagram. Uh, I, I do see like this uh, kind of street busking vibe. Yeah. Illegal street busking, but kind of vibe happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. No, it's a good time to be in, in this part of the world. Having a creative outlet, you are actually a professional in the creative space. Um, I was somebody who was working for a long time without having, having a need for a creative outlet, but not actually... Catering for it or or, uh, being attentive to it, like what I I, now that I'm doing, like my podcast, which is hardly even like you know, it's just a hobby, it's just a side gig. But like you're somebody who's doing music. Do you ever talk to people where you feel like you want to tell them whenever you people are bored or depressed or not feeling well, like how perhaps a lot of it is maybe the lack of a creative outlet. Do you ever find yourself talking to your friends um, about that?
1: No. Okay. Never. I think. The only time I saw a friend depressed, I asked her, like, does she take cold showers? Because they help lift your mood up. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Like the, what do you call him? The Hoffman, Huff, is it? Wim, Wim Hof, yeah. Wim Hof, Wim Hof, Wim Hof. Yeah, 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 I yeah.
1: Wim Hofed, and I felt like this is so, so great. So when I saw a friend, like, struggling a little bit, I'm like, you should Wim Hof. Nice. It's going to set your mind somewhere else.
0: So I've never, I've done the breathing one. I've never done the cold shower. Is it as good as it sounds?
1: It's really cool. Oh, wow. Because you just go with a purpose. Yeah. You're done. And then start your day And you're just like electrified the whole day
0: Amazing uh, It has a term too uh, Something therapy Chiro- Chirotherapy I think right?
1: Something like that Yeah, yeah.
0: Cool No because I've always wondered I have a, I had a, one of my best friends uh, The same guy I was talking to you about earlier Basel Barub. And he used to be a drummer. He had a high school band, and he like he now plays a lot of music again, only for himself, by the way, like or maybe just for his friends. So he he makes yeah. he makes music just like you do. He uses Logic uh, Pro, so uh, different uh, <laughs> interface, but same process. Yeah. And he took courses, and he's thirty. What is it? 36, 37 years old, and he does it just because he needs to create. He can't just like work and make money. And I respect that so much in him. And he used to be like very talented drummer. He still is. Uh, but something happens as you get older, you know, responsibilities fall around in life, yeah. and you kind of discard that need.
1: I mean, this is not the easiest way to pay your bills at the end of the day.
0: Well, that's what I wanted to ask you earlier, right? Like, how do you push, how do you, yeah, I mean, it's hard to be an artist that actually makes a living, and but 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 then people who still do it anyway, I mean, you gotta have a lot of respect for that because that means that they are, they are honoring that need so much. But clearly, it can't be easy. So, like, how do you cope with times when, like...
1: I mean, you hope for the best first. And then it's like you're your own little business, so Early Bird is my is my company. It's my baby, yeah. and I need to take care of it all the time. Yeah, it's what I wake up for. It's what I sleep for. So I constantly think of how do I stay like uh, organic with Early Bird, but also I need to have a business mindset. So I feel like I have two different personalities. You have Dana, who's the manager of Early Bird, and Early Bird, who's the artist. Mm-hmm. And Dana makes sure all the deals are signed. Dana makes sure Early Bird's getting paid, so Dana can live. And Early Bird's just having fun while Dana takes care of her.
0: I love how you have separate characters.
1: My brain is c- completely like mushed all the time. Yeah, that's
0: amazing. And but like most of the business, then I guess comes from the live performances, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't rely on streams. I don't rely on anything. I I love performing most. Yeah. So I try to make that my source of income as yeah. much as possible, and also. Hopefully next I get, uh, like, deals. I hope (laughs) Apleton call me one day. That would be great. Uh, Yeah, my my next step right now is, like, I finished Expo. I'm going to a festival in Europe. And that, like, it just starts building one after the other. But you have to get rejected a lot, fail a lot for one window to open, not even a door. It's just a window. Right. And then you go into that window, which for me was Expo 2020. And then... You start hoping something will come out of it. And then you start reaching out to a lot of people as well. How did you
0: even land Expo 2020 gig?
1: I'm not sure, word of mouth. I got into Expo. Okay. uh, And uh, I auditioned for Expo. They took me in. I'm a resident musician, one out of 50. One out of 50 in the whole world. How did that happen? That's pretty awesome. I'm a very tiny baby. Early bird is four years old. That's amazing. Early bird should be busking.
0: (laughs) that's amazing
1: it is it's crazy
0: but then you said Ableton could sign you like what do they usually sign artists
1: they don't sign artists but they promote artists okay. so if you use Ableton they do like uh exactly like we're doing right now right. it's not a podcast but you perform with the machine and then you explain your process
0: right yeah and yeah, that's
1: yeah. one of my dreams like it's one of my goals that to be recognized by Ableton because They helped me so much. Yeah. I mean,
0: sure. This is an amazing piece of hardware and their software is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I even like their logo because it illustrates the two different interfaces, right? So the vertical lines is when you have the different...
1: That's the session view and the arrangement views.
0: It's very cool. I love the story. I mean, I think these guys are underrated because unless you're in in music production, you don't understand the genius that goes on in the software that is Ableton. It's incredible. It's fascinating.
1: It is. It unleashes... uh, Sorry, it unleashes your creativity to a point that is not normal.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Like, Almost to the point where, like, because I, I started learning Ableton, I loved it, and then I, when I realized how hard it gets with mastering and mixing and, and, like, you know, every little tune and how much, I was like, oh, fuck that shit, man. You know? And I'm somebody <laughs> who's into, like, instant gratification, so I can't handle. Th- that said, you know, I think s- it reminds me of Microsoft Excel and programming and stuff that I know how to do some, to some extent. Uh, Ableton, once you get the hang of it, like you can create a track in, in half an hour and it's like ready to go, you know, yeah. like on this on the spot. Like if you if you're familiar with the shortcuts and
1: Yeah, I, I actually wear glasses. Uh-huh. Okay. I don't see my screen most of the time. That's yeah. how much I know Ableton. Yeah. I don't put my glasses on. And when I do, I'm like, ooh, high definition. Yeah. <laughs> What's up?
0: <laughs> it looks good. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. But it's 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 a beautiful software. Um and so one of your aspirations you said is for Ableton to recognize you and promote you yes Um, so that's that's a cool goal to have what are your like i mean sometimes i wonder if aspirations is a good thing or a bad thing because if you have an aspiration that is that for whatever reason is too high you might like get you know discouraged if you don't get there so do you you ever think about like what are your aspirations as an artist do you have like oh
1: yeah i i I go like way high and then get knocked down way low and you're up for it and i'm up for it i'm like bring it on you reject me I'm going to make you want me, and then I'll just go for it. That's amazing. Again and again and again.
0: What do you attribute that to? Stubbornness. Yeah, but I mean, like, is it your upbringing? Do you have, like, a sibling? Like I come
1: from a stubborn family.
0: Ah,
1: Everyone's stubborn there. Very nice. They're going to kill me after this.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. Sometimes you're being able to channel that uh, stubbornness into something like, like uh, I guess what you mean, perseverance and, and yeah. tenacity right
1: and it's passion also like i want it yeah so for example when i released my ep soft colors which was my first solo ep i wanted to be with a label like i wanted universal music or sony music and get the team and get the socials and everything happening yeah didn't happen but i was so persistent in reaching out that i did get a distributor which is awol which is great i don't have to pay to upload my music Mm. But if I do make revenue on stream, they take a percentage and I make money out of it.
0: Right. Yeah. So
1: for me, it was a very big win situation. It
0: is. Yeah. And I took
1: it. And I'm like, yes, hell yes, let's go. Absolutely. And now my next step is I do want to get signed to a label because it does come with a lot of benefits, even though I'm an independent artist.
0: Yeah. 100%. And the importance of enjoying these small wins as they come, right? Because, you, you know, and that's the best part about being an up and coming artist or up and coming anything in life is that. It's every, a journey. It's a journey. And every little step, every little win is so huge from your vantage point that you get to enjoy it. I mean, it almost sucks to become too famous or too good at something because then we have no more room for growth and everything is just the same. Uh, like Jim Carrey is a good example of, I don't know how much you you yeah. listened to his recent... Uh, like he's he's had it with all these Oscars and awards and and you it's know, like
1: Jim been there done that too many times. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and he talks about it. People call him crazy, but like you know he's having what might seem to somebody from the outside like a, a existential crisis. Existential crisis. Like he's gone crazy, right? He talks about like how he's had enough and he's he's done. He's ready to go. <laughs> he almost sounds like he's ready to die, right? Wow. And and, and so like there's something about also like always having uh, something to look forward to. And 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 um, yeah, that's why I just no matter what it is in life, I just think people need to jump into new things, get 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 uncomfortable, you know, like face yeah. failure. This is a great example of what you're talking about. I mean, um, and then being able to embrace it one way or another, whatever your modality is, because it's just so much, it's always worth it.
1: It is. There's so much beauty to ha- when you fail and you accept it. And then when you rise up again and you don't know where you're going after that failure, but once you get that win, you're like, oh, this is... So this is where it was leading me. Maybe at the beginning it wasn't as nice. Like yeah. you cry about it, you you talk about it, and you're like, this is not happening. I'm having such a bad day. And then Expo happens. And then something happens. You go back down and you're like, even I know I'm at Expo, I should be grateful, I should be happening, but I'm not happy. Blah 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 blah. I'm in a festival, which is called FIMU. It's in Belfort. It's in France from the 2nd... Of That's f- when you're going to the summer? Yeah, oh, from cool. the 2nd of June until the 5th. They're yes. honoring Lebanon. And I was chosen as one of the Lebanese artists. Wow. So I was like... Wow, that is very Amazing. cool. And then I met some people at Expo. And now we're going to be touring together after I finish FIMU. And actually, uh, I play with a taiko drummer at Expo. Oh, nice. And FIMU saw that she's playing with me. And they're like, can we get your taiko drummer with you? I was like, please, yes. So now Yumi's joining me in Yumu, and then we're gonna tour together. And it's like, uh, it's it's not about the big things that are happening, but it's just like so many little things. The morphing things. of the
0: different like uh, path lines between yeah. you and your colleagues and your coworkers. It's it's, like it's a butterfly effect. It's amazing. I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just listening to this. But I mean, uh, it's it's really cool. Um, I, I, I what do you? So after you're done with your uh, after you're done with your performance in Europe, uh, what would be your resi- like? Where would people come into Dubai to listen to your music?
1: I don't know yet. Oh, okay. I haven't planned that far.
0: Okay, so it's, it's going to be Spotify and SoundCloud until, until you have Un- the Until next further day. notice, yeah. <laughs> until until you have a new Because expo- I know
1: uh, in the summer, Dubai is really hot. So yeah. I know I'm in Europe for a month, I'm in Lebanon for a month, and then I need to spend two months somewhere else <laughs> and then come back.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. Why Early Bird? What's the what's the name?
1: So uh, it all relates to my tendonitis. My life revolved around tendonitis for too long. And I had to become an early bird to learn music while having odd jobs. So I would wake up around 4 or 5 a.m., read about music, go work out, and then go to work.
0: Because your your tendonitis would stand in the way of your productivity, so you have to wake up early to catch up?
1: Yeah, I just needed Uh, to learn at a time where I had time to learn. And and I became early bird due to using it a lot as a hashtag. Because I'd show people like, oh, it's 5 a.m., I'm producing music, hashtag early bird. Wow. And when I wanted to release my first song, which was called uh, Next to You, I couldn't see Dana Fahudi or Dana F, which was my first artist. And I just it didn't click, yeah. and I felt Early Bird. Yeah, I saw it. I was like, "Yeah, I love the name." Thank you. Uh, there's
0: quite a few Early Birds, though. When you look people up, they
1: were not there when I started. Like, <laughs> I, I need, I need to copyright my name now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Copycats. So, like, um, what are your favorite uh, from all your tracks? Which one would you say is your favorite?
1: Uh, I have ins and out, so it's like one day this is my favorite song and then the next I hate all the other, not hate, I created those. But like I've had enough of those track. But right now my favorite is Your Harness because I'm enjoying so much performing it. I just go crazy when I'm performing it. And my least favorite at the moment is because I've overperformed it is Ombre Noir. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think I loved it so much to- You got bored of it. I got bored of it.
0: Fascinating. Well, listen, I really love what you're doing. Um, uh, Can we, where can we catch more of your music before you go to France? Uh, everywhere like i mean aside uh, of the streaming are you performing live in dubai before or is it uh, break time I after expo i know? think it's
1: break time yeah. i might yeah. in may not sure but you can keep up on instagram facebook new on tiktok have no idea what i'm doing there i'm figuring it out yeah and all the, so, uh, the streaming platforms
0: spotify spotify
1: SoundCloud. soundcloud youtube deezer apple music amazon music i'm everywhere
0: Early bird is the name that you go with. April 15, traveler drops. Check it out. Love your music. Check it I out,
1: share it, like it, subscribe, hit any button you find. Any button you give find. Give me a shout out. Talk to me if you feel anything.
0: Unfortunately, by the way, the, the small but relevant follower base that I have are all people that would dig my music, most of them. So I think this is going to resonate.
1: I already love your following.
0: Uh, thank you so much. Really great to have you here. I appreciate you taking the time. I wish you all the best. And um, anybody that uh, has been tuning in, this is Dana Fakhouri, goes by Early Bird. Yes And that's a wrap.
1: And I want to thank you.
0: Cheers.